The Celtics are down two games to none to the Miami Heat after Duncan Robinson from Newcastle, New Hampshire, drops 15 on them in game two. This is the press pass. I am Chris Ryan. The Celtics are down two games to none as the series shifts to Miami. These two teams meeting for the third time in the last four years. They've split the previous two appearances with the Heat beating the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals back in the bubble and the Celtics winning last year in seven games. If the Celtics are to prevail this year, they're going to do something that's rarely done in the Eastern Conference Finals, and that is winning when you've lost the first two games of the series in particular on your home floor. Last night, it was a 111-105 victory for the Miami Heat, and the game was similar to what we saw in Game 1, with the Celtics struggling down the stretch when it comes to fourth-quarter execution. Turnovers, offensive fouls, Jason Tatum not really getting involved down the stretch as much as you'd like. That was all recipe for the Celtics to lose the second game of this series. Again, they now trail two games to none. I spoke with Celtics head coach Joe Missoula postgame. Because um, it comes down to the details and the margins. And so we have to, when we get a stop, when we force them into a difficult shot, we have to get the rebound. Um, you know, when we have open shots, we have to take them. When we draw two, we have to pass it. And so uh, this is a series of discipline. Uh, in mindset, and um, there was times throughout the game where we weren't the more disciplined team. You mentioned the details and the margins before. What specifically do you see the Heat doing better kind of on a consistent basis through these first two games? Uh, not turning it over and getting extra possessions. And does that come down to rebounding, discipline? What's what's missing from, from your perspective on, yeah, on your so end? So not turning it over is just making the right decision uh, with the ball, whether um, – it's you, you don't pass up an open shot or you kick it when you drive it. And then, you know, they got critical offensive rebounds tonight that uh, we could, our first shot defense was good and we didn't finish the play. So three key areas where the Celtics struggled. First off, the stars. Celtics stars have to outperform the Heat stars by a significant margin if the Celtics are going to win this series. Celtics Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum combined for 50 points. 34 of those were Tatum's. The Heat Stars combined for 49. Celtics shot 28.6% from three. They turned the ball over 15 times. The Heat turned the ball over 10 times. Here's Jalen Brown. Yeah, I mean, I thought we had some great looks. Um, me personally, I thought I had some great looks um, down the line that didn't go in. Um, can't stop with our, aggress- our aggressiveness. You know, we're going into a hostile environment and we got to do what needs to be done. Um, you know, so we got to come ready to play. When it comes to the fourth quarter execution, do you feel that you guys are you know, as connected as you need to be and that the trust is there in one another? Or do you feel at times um, guys are looking to make their own plays in terms of uh, and not maybe uh, trusting the structure? Uh, no, I think, you know, we, we pretty much run the sets. You know, we just got to be more forceful with the ball. At the same time, we, we can't get too apprehensive. We got to still be aggressive and take what the defense gives us. But you know, step in and knock shots down with confidence. You know, I think we start to look, you know, in, in situations and we should just go. And uh, I think that's it. Jalen Brown right there, 16 points for the Celtics. Not good enough. We talked about the stars. How about the role players? One of those role players is Duncan Robinson from Newcastle, New Hampshire. Robinson shot six of nine from the field, three of six from three. 15 points for the Miami Heat, a huge X factor in this game. Here is Heat head coach Eric Spolstra on Duncan. It's been two years of development. You know, uh, 
where the scouting report was to do everything and anything to get him off that three-point line. So he's been working on that diligently for two off-seasons, regular seasons, really working on his off-ball movement, more actions to the rim. He saw the back cut uh, and then putting the ball on the floor. I mean, I, I can't even mention how many drives he's worked on during the off-season over and over and over uh, and then still doing his normal shooting routine because that's what that's what creates uh, the overreactions. Um, but that's a credit to, to his commitment to the player development. Also got an opportunity to catch up with Duncan Robinson post-game. Duncan, just what were the keys for you guys here in, in game two? What allowed for you to, to get out, obviously, and, and have the success? Yeah, you know, we knew that they were going to have a heightened sense of urgency. Um, so a lot of it was just try to keep it close and then down the stretch just kind of get it in the mud. Um, make it kind of ugly we played a lot of close games and you know we know how to execute down the stretch what did this performance mean to you dropping 15 points and playing such a crucial role in the success the team had oh it means a lot man um on this floor you know in, in this uh in this building it's uh it's pretty special for sure so uh definitely don't take it for granted but you know we got a, a lot more we still got to accomplish um back in miami here Coach Spo said this is two years of work for you where originally you're shooting obviously a lot behind three-point line, getting open on curls, but you've worked a lot down low and to, to, to round out your offensive game. What did that mean to so many different plays down low where you're able to execute and it wasn't just three-point shots? Yeah, you know, they're just going to top side and top block and try to take me out of what I'm trying to do, just being a little bit more difficult to guard to do some different things. And final thing, down the stretch of the game, obviously that you guys played great defense. What happened there? Um, yeah, you know, like I said, just try to make it uh, make it ugly down the stretch, make it difficult on them, and then just really just get the ball to our, our guys, you know, Jimmy and Bam, and they made plays. More from Duncan Robinson coming up in just a little bit. But first, I also talked with Heat star Jimmy Butler, who had 27. He's been so good in the postseason. Jimmy, fourth quarter execution, both here in game two and also in, in game one, they seem to be very much out of rhythm. You're disrupting them, turning the ball over. You guys seem pretty confident and comfortable in the offensive end. What's keyed to both of those uh, elements? Honestly, they, they just missed some shots. That's, that's part of the game. Um, I think our... Our game plan is kind of simple in the fourth quarter, if I'm being brutally honest. It's kind of like uh, give me the ball to move, and I gotta, I'm got tasked with making the right play. Uh, sometimes it's shoot the ball. Most of the time it's shoot the ball, and a lot of times it's pass the ball to the open guy. Um, and I pride myself on finding that open guy. I really do. Uh, I want to get all my teammates involved, and I've never been a guy to say that the player that I am today isn't because of my teammates. It's always because of them. They always make shots. It makes my job so much easier. If I get beat on defense, somebody's always there. Um, I have so much faith in this group of guys that we have. And I've said it all year long. Um, We're going to ride with one another to the wheels fall off. Do you feel like because of that, you have kind of a mental edge on them at this point? I don't think so. I just think we're so worried about us as a team, us as a unit, that we don't – it's not like we don't focus on them because we do. You know, we talk about everything that they do. But at the end of the day, we have to be the best version of ourselves. We have to believe in one another. we got to go out there and compete together, um, withstand the runs that they will go on, and um, be able to make runs of our own. And at the end of the day, we're going to always live with the result because we did it together. 
Let's go back to game one for just a little bit. I thought the Celtics had big problems with fourth quarter execution in this game as well. Jason Tatum did not have his hands on the ball a lot, and when he did, he was turning it over. He had three of his four turnovers late in the fourth quarter in that game, but it really came down to the third quarter. Celtics led at the half, but a 46-25 edge for the Heat in the third quarter was pretty much all she wrote in this contest. Here is Marcus Smart on the Celtics falling in game one. I mean, the only thing we need to adjust to is picking up our physicality and playing some damn defense. That's the only thing they switched. They, they didn't change anything from the first half. That they weren't doing, they just upped their physicality, and that was it. There's nothing tactical, X's and O's. It's just coming out and, uh, you know, guard your yard. And um, they scored 46 in their third, and, and they got going, and, um, you know, they made us pay, and it led into the fourth quarter. Just looking at the, the third quarter, obviously this team has some lapses. Is that – you know, something with this team? Is it just basketball? Why do you feel that at times, you know, team uh, struggles with uh, with consistency? Um, we get tired of doing the little things sometimes. Um, I think that showed exactly what we was talking about earlier, our spacing. Um, we're, we have a lot of great players, but when we're all on top of each other, nobody can, can be great. So, you know, you got a good defensive team like Miami, they make you pay for that. So we got we to gotta make sure we do those little things and we can't get bored with those. Um, and we got to realize what has got us the lead or what was working for us. I talked with Heat head coach Eric Spolster about his matchup with Joe Mazzulla. Of course, Spolster came into this league as a young coach. He was the head coach of the Chris Bosh, LeBron James, and Dwayne Wade Miami Heat. And the narrative at that time was at times he was overmatched. But that has all changed. Is now regarded as being one of the best coaches in the league. Joe Mazzulla, of course, is the rookie head coach of the Boston Celtics. And I talked with Eric Spolstra about that. Yeah, I think he's done a great job. Um, you know, I've gotten to know Joe a little bit over the years, and uh, he's a sharp guy. He, his care factor is through the roof. Um, his maturity is beyond his years. Uh, and he's been in this program you know, for a while now. I think that's probably what's most relevant. He knows what's important uh, to this organization. Um, and he has a lot of experience with these guys. Uh, he's earned their trust. Um, and I think he's done, he's done a great job. Yeah. What are some of the challenges for a young coach in that nature of having that confidence and continuing to, you know, have uh, confidence in themselves i don't know i think just going through going through the fire going through um the experiences everybody you know every situation is different so i i don't know what it is like in this locker room this building um but i have a lot of respect for for joe you know we have a couple of mutual uh, friends um and uh you know we we saw each other a bunch in, in the bubble you know that, that's probably you know where i've seen him more than the last, you know, three years. We always just seem to be bumping into each other all the time uh, in the bubble. Um, you go through it, uh, the experience, that's, you know, that's, that's the best thing, the most valuable thing. And, uh, you know, what he's done this year uh, is not easy, you know, and uh, um, you definitely have to respect that. And what growth have you seen in Jalen and Jason through the last, you know, seeing three out of the last four years in the playoffs? What growth have you seen particularly in them as playoff performers? Yeah, in a, in a similar uh, regard, uh, if you're in these kind of situations over and over and over, you just continue uh, to find more confidence in different solutions, um, more experience. Uh, and they have a lot of pride, you know, being great players. Um, and they're winning players. You know, they've been through a lot of stuff uh, together. 
uh, I think that stuff matters. Um, they're definitely different, you know, than what, who they were, you know, four years ago. On Tuesday at Celtics practice, Al Horford shut things down for a little bit because he thought the Celtics weren't engaged enough. And looking back on it, I think Al may have been onto something. Here's Malcolm Brogdon on that. Uh, from an emotional standpoint, how challenging is it to go from obviously the high of a game seven into a new series, new team, less familiarity? How do you go about getting to a place where you were in game seven emotionally to get off to a good start? It, it's, a, it's a maturity thing. Um, you know, I think the guy we followed all season, our leader, is Al Horford. Um, and I think he's going to continue to lead us. There's a point today in practice where, you know, guys were, it was a, it was a little light. You know, practice was light um, and guys were a little loose. Now brought us together in the middle of practice and just told us to tighten it up. Um, and I think it's those constant reminders from our leader um, that's going to help us stay poised, start the series poised, um, and, and really locked in. Obviously, each player wants to win a championship for their own personal journey, but is there a part of wanting to win for Al as well? Absolutely. That's a huge piece for us. That's a huge piece. Um, Al is, has given this league so much. He's given this organization so much, these guys so much. Um, and I think a big piece for us is to, is to want to see him go out on top, go out with the championship, go out with the ring, because he's, he's more deserving than anybody. You mentioned there's a humility to not starting. Where did that come from for you, obviously being sixth man of the year? Did, did, is that easy for you, making this adjustment to the team? Uh, I mean, this is, the I think, the easiest scenario I could have done it in, just the, the locker room we have, the teammates uh, that I have, um, and the organization, the way they've welcomed me, the way they've embraced me. Um, but, no, as far as personally, it's not easy. It, it really isn't. Um, it wouldn't be easy on any team. Um, starting your whole career and then and then coming off the bench, um, but my teammates have have made it a great experience for me and, and Joe and the coaching staff. So um, it's something I've really enjoyed, uh, and we're winning. You know, we're winning at a high level. We're doing it together. Um, guys and really enjoy each other on and off the court. I can't say that for all the teams I've been on. So it's- all right, let's go in depth now with Newcastle's Duncan Robinson of the Miami Heat. So joined by Duncan Robinson from Newcastle, New Hampshire, and of course a guy we followed for years in the NBA, playing the Celtics once again, third time in four years in the Eastern Conference Finals. And what's that like? I mean, you grew up obviously in close proximity to the Celtics. You're playing them once again. What is that experience you know, like? And is it still kind of something special to be so close to your hometown playing games that are this high of stakes? Yeah, you know, definitely special. Um, anytime you have an opportunity to get to this point in the season, you know, conference finals, uh, you don't want to take that for granted. So first and foremost, um, just being at this this level in, in general is special um, and at this point in the season. But also, obviously, you know, growing up in this area, I have a lot of people, you know, still in this area, grew up in, in Celtics country, uh, if you will. So uh, I think that also adds a little aspect to it as well. Um, the fact that you know, this is now our third time meeting in the conference finals. I wouldn't say it's worn off because the excitement is still there, um, but it's always just a little surreal, you know, just walking out on that floor um, and realizing, you know, we're we're competing against each other for a chance to go to the finals. It's pretty special. The Celtics' mantra is unfinished business, and I was thinking about you guys as well, and you're kind of in the same boat, right? I mean, you went to the finals in the bubble, uh, lost last year, and both of you, th- these two teams have been – on the fringe of a championship here for the last couple of years. So what's kind of the drive behind this group? And do you feel like, just as the Celtics do, and everybody around here feels that this is your time, and that you guys have earned this, and despite the, being an eighth seed, that you're right there knocking on the, doors, on the door? Yeah, you know, I definitely, um, you know, as a group, 
we feel like we have some unfinished business, especially given how last year ended for us, um, you know, against this team. So it's a great opportunity. I mean, it's two really great teams, um, historical organizations um, with a history uh, of, of competing against each other at, at the highest level. So uh, it's exciting. I mean, this is what you want in the playoffs. 2008 Celtics obviously won a championship the Garnett Allen Pierce team and what did that group mean to you was that your team at that point are you more of a basketball fan yeah I mean I followed that that team closely um for sure you know growing up in this area and and then loving the game of course um you know you're you just are drawn to to greatness and uh obviously that what that what what that team was able to do in 2008 and, and get to the mountaintop was uh was special to see obviously my my loyalty and and uh has shifted you know since you know being in the nba and and wearing this jersey but uh you know i definitely have a a respect and appreciation for what that team was able to accomplish so you were 14 at that point and i think this is an important part of the story for you know a lot of kids out there that look at duncan robinson the nba player where things weren't necessarily going all that well for you in terms of being the basketball player you weren't starting uh at the prep school started started to play a little more as a junior five foot seven had a growth spurt um what do you think your story tells kids about you know opportunity and maybe they're looking and saying you know this is not this is not going to happen for me maybe i shouldn't play this sport and then all of a sudden you know growth spurt happens or uh, opportunities present themselves yeah i mean i think first and foremost i think it transcends basketball so you know whatever you're you're looking to pursue um you know whether that be another sport whether that be uh, a musical instrument or theater whatever it is um or academics you know, first and foremost, if you have something that you love and you want to go after to, to pursue it, um, you know, with a with a competitive spirit, a grit, uh, and and don't let anyone take that from you. And uh, you know, for me growing up, obviously, I, I developed a love for the game, and it didn't always love me back uh, early on. I would say, but um, you know, for me, it was just more about just trying to maximize you know, the version of myself and continue to just kind of improve and optimize every single opportunity. And, you know, sometimes you take advantage of, of things and, and sometimes you don't. But, you know, don't let that uh, discourage you from continuing to showing up. Uh, I always try to say that showing up is a superpower. And uh, I think if you just stack days, you'll always have something to show for would the you know thirteen or fourteen year old kid at Ride Junior High School have imagined that you know we'd be sitting here in Game Two of the Eastern Conference Finals on the doorstep and you having a chance to win a championship, which you've already achieved in in the league? Was that even you know a possibility for for you at that point? Um, I mean, I would I would have probably said it was a possibility, but probably more like a pipe dream. I would right. say, um, you know, obviously you always want to dream big and, and to go after it, but I think at that point I was. You know, far from some sort of elite basketball product, so or prospect rather. So, uh, you know, in in that sense, you know, it's it's uh, in many ways a dream come true. But uh, you know, when I kind of look back on the journey, it, it was very much just kind of taking the you know step by step and just continuing to, to prove myself at each level. How has the last year you know, tested you? In 21-22, you started pretty much every game um, and out of the rotation this year, back in the rotation for the postseason, had a big game for 17 points against the, the Knicks. So how would you kind of define what the, the challenge has been for you this year and you know, remaining positive, you know, having positive you know, mental health and, and, and focusing on you know, what you could control? definitely been been a challenging year uh for us as a group you know first and foremost with the expectations and kind of underperforming during the regular season but then also myself individually um you know having high expectations of myself so you know i I try to just fall back on first and foremost just like my 
have work habits and just continue to be prepared for any opportunity whenever it arises and um you know, then also I, I feel like I've I have a wealth of experience in this league at this point. I know I'm only five years in, but I feel like I've played just about every role. Um, and you know, I think that that really bodes well for me heading into a, a postseason where you know it's going to look different on different nights. Um, I, I might play a little bit one night. I might you know get it going and play a lot more another. So you know, just kind of being ready for whatever the team is asking of me and just going out there and you know competing and trying to execute to the best of my ability. How would you define the Heat? identity and do you felt feel like you played to that identity in a significant way in you know game one where whether it's finding good matchups on the offensive end closing out on defense playing a tough physical brand of basketball Marcus Smart you know talk post game about how the Celtics didn't match you guys particularly in the third quarter so what's the identity do you feel like game one was kind of you guys playing to it yeah you know I think we can win in different ways um but I think first and foremost, we always try to just approach the game with a competitive spirit and a physicality, um, really set the tone in, in that sense on both sides of the ball, you know, defensively just really kind of being connected and offensively really, you know, putting pressure on the rim and attacking and being physical in that nature. So um, I, I thought in stretches, you know, we really got to our identity, but, you know, this is it's going to be a heavyweight fight in a lot of senses. You know, it's going to be, you know, punches thrown back and forth, and it's just going to be about, you know, whatever team can really kind of hold the line. So, um, you know, we were able to get get game one, but, you know, we know we, we got a long, long ways to go. We've talked a lot about, you know, Matt Bonner in the past and how both you guys really identify with New Hampshire and how New Hampshire has shaped you, you know, as individuals. And he had a route that was obviously different than yours as well, and that he went to Florida, you know, highly recruited and all that. So your route was even more difficult than, than his, despite coming from New Hampshire and having to overcome a lot of adversity as he did. Um, what's your sense about, you know, how New Hampshire identified you and kind of created a, a mental toughness or a ability to kind of fight through adversity given the challenges that kids in New Hampshire face um, with you know not being recruited or not being given opportunities because of the population size yeah you know it, it's not necessarily regarded as like a basketball hotbed um, but you know especially nowadays you know if you can if you can play people will find you um, whether it be you know, AAU programs or college coaches or what have you. Um, I, I think the biggest thing that New Hampshire instilled in me was just a gratitude for a sense of community, um, you know, being from a, a smaller town and a, a place that, you know, really values kind of like that human aspect, mm-hmm. the human connection component. Um, I've tried to carry that with me everywhere that I've gone, and I think it served me, you know, really well just having a bunch of different relationships from different places, um, places that I've played, schools that I've went to, and, uh, you know, I've tried to carry those relationships with me, and I think they've really benefited me, you know, throughout my journey. Kind of a yeah, sense of community. When it comes to you know, the Seacoast, you still go back there during the summers. What are your What are your spots? Like, what are the best What are the best beaches? You're going to get a lobster roll. Which Which spot are you stopping at? I love Pirates Cove for, from a beach standpoint. Um, I'm not too far from there. The Ice House is always a, a classic. I'm always hitting the Ice House. Um, you know, for some from some seafood and definitely some ice cream of course um but just you know just really sticking around downtown portsmouth uh you know in the summertime it just has such a great feel to it so i love going there um hitting different restaurants and and just being around my family for sure final thing i want to ask you about is if you guys are victorious at the end of this series and what have you done like what what do you have to do in order to have 
success in this series? Will the storyline be will be you know Jimmy had a monster series again and out, outperformed their guys? Is it going to be the depth? Like what would you say is the the key for you guys in having success? I mean, I think it's a combination. You know, we need Jimmy to be. Um, jimmy and the best version of himself which you know he's done uh for pretty much the entire postseason so you know we we've come to expect that from him and and he's our leader and uh you know other than that a lot of times with this group it's other guys stepping up and and uh it's going to be different guys on different nights and um i think that's part of the that dynamic with us that makes us really difficult to prepare for just because it can be different people on different nights duncan thanks so much yeah for sure thanks for having me that's Newcastle native and Miami Heat star Duncan Robinson. What a night for him in Game 2, dropping 15 on the seas. This has been the Press Pass. I'm Chris Ryan.